0: Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. I'm Billy Epperhard, and on this show, you're going to hear from industry
1: leaders in business, real estate, and investing. Our Wealth Builder coaches and myself are excited to teach you how to make sense of making money
0: for making a difference. Okay, let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Wealth Builders podcast. We're so blessed that you joined us. And let me tell you, I've got such an amazing guest today on the podcast. We've got the CEO of Blessings of Hope with us, David Lapp. Dave, do you want to say hi to everybody?
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show.
0: Well, we're so blessed to have you, David, and I think the story of Blessings of Hope is one that certainly has captured so many people's hearts, and those of you that are listening, many of you have seen the Lap Brothers at the Wealth Builders events as, as David's actually presented the last two years, and he is going to be joining us for the upcoming Wealth Builders Business and Nonprofit Workshop, which is April 18th through the 20th, and David, your story, along with um you know your entire leadership team, is so interesting. And uh, I know a lot of people just want to hear about the history what is what is like propelled you to start at this you know idea of helping people to really it's a tens of millions of dollars uh, of an organization today. So, David, can you just start out and give us a little history with those that might not be familiar with Blessings of Hope and uh, how you guys got started?
1: Yeah, thanks, Karen, for the invitation. Uh, you know, thinking back of, of my you know childhood growing up, I attended a one-room schoolhouse. There was probably you know thirty-five people in this in the school total, uh, grades one to eight. So, formerly, I have a uh, an eighth-grade education. But one thing, you know, we we learned how to learn in those eight years. And anymore, there is so much information out there that you can learn anything you want to learn. Uh, Growing up, uh, we we were always out of the box thinkers. Uh, When I was 13, we moved to Indiana to farm. And there was a time when we were farming 400 acres with horses.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: You know, most people would say that's not possible, but we didn't know it wasn't possible. So we just did it. You know, and it was one of those things where, you know, you get up in the morning, you do today what you know to do today, and then you go to bed at night, you sleep and you do it again the next day. And you know, I, I usually used, I used tell people that, you know, if people would quit worrying about what's going to happen next year and do today what they can, a lot of next year's problems would never happen. And you just take that perspective, you take it one day at a time, and you see what God does with it. In uh, 2005, we were excommunicated from the Amish church. This was uh, almost two years after we were married. And it was a pretty big step for us just to, the, the the reason we were excommunicated is we were taking the Bible too literally. We were We were on a journey with God, and we didn't fit the religious box anymore. Wow. And, you know, looking back, you know, there, there's there's a lot of things we could have done differently, but, you know, the, the God's hand was in it every step of the way. And through that, uh, we started a ministry called Light of Hope Ministries, which was more of a counseling uh, speaking ministry. And we had a need amongst our families for food. And Aaron Fisher would start helping at an outreach in Harrisburg, giving away free food, and he would bring food along back for our families. But I remember there was there was five families that started the ministry, and I remember there was weeks when we had a thirty dollar grocery budget for the week for five families.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: And we're talking, you know, with the children, it's probably thirty people on a thirty dollar grocery budget for the week, other than what we got at the food bank. And we learned how to what was available and make good meals with that you know there there was there was times you know we had apples uh there's actually an interesting story behind that is we had one apple tree where we were living and we had picked the apples and we were talking about it. it would be nice if we could have if we could find an apple tree somewhere that somebody doesn't want well the next morning aaron was at a prayer meeting and somebody was talking about an orchard that a developer had bought it was 16 acres of apples that were just going to rot in the field. And mm-hmm. they told Aaron, you know, if you want to come pick apples, you know, there's all the apples here you can take. And we we had so many apples that year. We had, you know, apple <laughs> pie filling, apple butter, apple sauce. Uh, we, had, we had anything you could think of with apples. But that's, you know, looking back, God always provided good quality product even though it was an abundance of one thing at one time, you know, and not as much of a variety all the time, but it was it always provided. And through that, uh, we Aaron came up with the idea of having a warehouse where we could take semi-loaded volumes of food that are available and make it available to food pantries, outreaches, halfway houses, that kind of a thing. Because what we what we saw the issue being is these large warehouses, they have semi truck loads of product available mm-hmm. but they don't want to deal with 50 organizations every day. Right. So for them it's cheaper just to send it to the landfill, just get rid of it. And you know with blessings of hope they can donate the product, they can take a tax write off for it and they're not paying to dispose of it. So it's really a win win for you know for everybody involved. So in uh, 2006 we started giving out a little bit of food out of a three car garage. We would get usually probably four to six pallets a week and we would give some out we would have some for our own families uh 2010 uh October 2010 was the first that we committed to doing a weekly food distribution and Aaron committed to giving out seven boxes a week to a local pastor and you know seven boxes of food a week is a lot of food if you know if you're not sure where it's going to come from
0: Yes.
1: and it would usually take all day to pack seven boxes you know because we have to you know find variety we'd have to sometimes we'd have to go get some more food in the morning and sort it out and try to find you know try to put a nice box together and what what I, what the reason i'm sharing this is if god puts something on your heart you have to start somewhere so good. And just, just take that step and you know, with the, with the end goal in mind, you never know what God's going to do if you if you take that step if you're obedient and you step out in faith. And we have often asked ourselves, what's the difference between faith and stupidity? Because <laughs> there's some some of the crazy ideas that we that we came up with and that that we worked on, it was like, okay, Lord, I mean, if you don't come through, we're done because you know, th- this is so far out of our <laughs> So far out of our conference and so far out of our league, it was like, but but we always felt the peace that, that God was in it. And there were so many times over the years where we knew that we either have to pull back or push forward. Because what we were doing, it was, it was working, but it was just barely getting by. And usually when we prayed about it, the thing that we got is it's time to take things to the next level. And that's where we would then, okay, Lord, how can we take this to the next level? And another thing, over the years, we have learned to, instead of telling God how crazy His plans are, we we've learned to ask Him how to fulfill His plans, how to carry out what He has called us to do, and then take that step. And it was amazing some of the things that God's came up God came up with.
0: Wow. David, there's there's so many nuggets in what you have just shared. I want to go back to ask a little bit more about a couple of them. Um, but first, I want to comment on what you just said, because that's really what Mary did. She she wasn't saying, God, you're crazy. You know, I'm a virgin. I'm going to have a baby. But she was asking, you know, I need a little bit more information about how is this going to happen, <laughs> How's right? How's
1: this going to work? <laughs>
0: And uh, that's kind of what I was thinking of when you were sharing that. And that's a that's a very important attitude that you just shared. And I, I don't want it to um you people just to kind of hear it and not absorb what you're saying because that is a key. It's very different to uh, you know, other responses in the Bible where it's like this can't happen. Like what? And it was more like God, you're crazy. But just when we're like, okay, I I'm 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 hearing you, Lord, and we need to know how to do this. And the other thing, too, is that God wants, he wants to be in it with us. And so what you're describing, too, is God doesn't want an adventure for our life separate from us. He doesn't put big dreams in our heart just to have us out there stumbling around on our own. It's actually his joy to be a part of it. If we go back to one of your earliest comments you really at a young age, despite, you know, there's some hardship in your life and, and you guys have, have books uh and things where, where you share in depth on these stories. But instead of letting that stop you, there was a perseverance that really you have carried out just from even the time that you talked about at a young age to even today. So if you're looking at how If someone is facing something that seems bigger than life, like, God, I don't know how I could do this. How did you and what would you share with them how to get that perseverance and that trust in God to pursue and push forward without fear?
1: Mm -hmm. One of the questions that we've often talked about or or asked ourselves is, what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm -hmm. And then the other question that goes with that is what's going to happen if we don't take this step? Yeah. So, 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 what's the you know what's the best case outcome? What's the worst case outcome? And then what's the cost, if you will, if we don't take that step? And when we when we brought that cost into perspective, if we don't take the step, it put a it put more of an urgency on taking the step and understanding the value of taking that step. We've had somebody tell us uh, probably about 12 years ago, you know, if, if you don't figure out how to do this sustainably and profitably, you're going to rob future generations because you won't be here for the future generations. Wow. And, you know, if, if we can understand that the visions of God are are here to, to change society, to make an impact on the world around us. And, you know, if you're just going to go through your life and just do bare minimum, yes, you can have a good life. You know, you can probably impact a few people's lives. But if you walk in the fullness of what God called you to walk in, you can impact millions of people's lives on, on a, just by the, the the multitude, I mean, the multiplication effect of putting it out there and, and taking that next step.
0: Wow. And that's the difference between sort of like an inward approach where, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to work this hard or I don't know if I want to, you know, get out there. What if someone doesn't like what we're doing? But when you grab hold, like you guys, what you're saying is you actually purposely are thinking about what is this going to do if we stay with it or if we don't stay with it. And I love what you said about impacting generations, because it seems like that gets you in a position too, where, um, despite criticism or challenges it's something bigger than looking inside and it's looking at others
1: yeah yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna try to do something that's not gonna offend anybody or not gonna raise any questions you might as well quit that because you're not (laughs) gonna please everybody and we have we have talked about this early on you know we we can try to live a life that pleases everybody or we can live a life that pleases god and you know down the road, a lot of the people that were criticizing us years ago, you know, it, it's interesting meeting those people now and hearing their side of it. That you know they've been with us all along, and it's like that's not quite the way we had seen it. But welcome aboard, you know, and then you bring <laughs> them along and you, you you go forward together.
0: You know that's you know that's so good, David. And I think something too that's very interesting that's key to you guys' success is uh, the four of you on the executive team, how you work together. Uh-huh. And I know when I was out there, you were sharing with me how you guys got in a room and you sort of figured out where everybody's strengths was. And I think that was key to you guys yeah. really walking in the fullness. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I can. One thing that, that you know, if when we learn how to embrace each other's callings and to embrace each other's strengths, Instead of trying to keep life fair, things really went to the next level as well. If, if you're familiar with the DISC, the DISC personality profiles, we are each very strong in one of those four quadrants. And what we have learned is, you know, if it's something that we don't like doing, there's usually one of the others that enjoys doing that piece. And, you know, for myself, I'm the highest C, I'm the I'm details person. So, my shortest days are when i'm alone in the office just just doing stuff and aaron is like uh, anything with computers or papers is like you know get me away from that i i just want to talk to the people and it's it's great because we've learned to complement each other and to you know to uh empower each other in our gifts
0: yeah and in that too um you guys have all you sort of you stay in your lanes in a way, in leadership, meaning you know where your strengths are, but also um, when you are facing a big decision or maybe a challenge or a problem, you guys really pull together Mm -hmm. and um, you're able to come out of multiple times on the other side of things that probably would have caused most people to quit. Can you give us a little insight into
1: that? Well we we've we've had our share of fights i'll just say that <laughs> but, but you know we we have we have learned to to fight together against against the issue that we're addressing instead of fighting the other person and when when you can take people out of the equation and see the the spirit realm for what it is address the issue for what it is and realize that the whole team is working together against this issue versus the issue being in the other person, you can take a different perspective on that issue. I heard a a very good comment. uh, I was at a meeting last week and the speaker was talking about when they have conflicts in their leadership, what they do is that they, they reverse roles. For example, if you and I are arguing on something, I take your side, you take my side and you argue from that angle. And it was very intriguing to me because that's, in a sense, that's what we do sometimes. Is you know, okay, we 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 take the issue off the person that that brought the issue, mm-hmm. and we get one of the other party to to advocate for that for that issue. And if he has the same outcome, then we have okay. Now let's look at that. Let's let's actually address this further.
0: Oh, my goodness. That is that is interesting. I would like to see you guys do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we, we we have some pretty intense meetings. We have some long meetings and then we have some short meetings because, you know, there there's times we address it in five minutes. It's over and there's times we address it and it takes three or four or five hours to to just hash through it and, and come to a common ground on where we stand.
0: Wow. And and I know just from observing you guys, when you come out of those discussions, you are all on the same page. You all support each other. And I think that unity is, is really uh, important and your families are all involved. And yeah. so maybe you could share a little bit about that too, because people that have um, nonprofits or they've got something uh, like what, what you guys do, whether it's a ministry or or some sort of nonprofit, a lot of times we want our families involved, but that can cause a whole nother layer of challenges. How have you navigated through that?
1: <laughs> those, those have been some challenges along the way too, but we are very blessed right now. Uh, there's at least 10 of the next generation that are actively involved on staff at Blessings of Hope at this point. And multiples of them in in uh, pretty high leadership levels, uh, and doing a tremendous job. They they have they have been through with us through the fire as children. And no, it wasn't always pretty, and I, I know we made mistakes along the way. But being able to overcome those mistakes and keeping the family involved is is a huge uh, a huge blessing. And I know when I say ten of the next generation. You know, people are saying, well, that's crazy because most people have two or three children. Well, what, yes. one thing you'll learn about the Amish is we have large families, uh, two of two of the executive team, two of us have uh, 12 children. Uh, Jake has seven and Aaron has five or six. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, <laughs> so there's there's, a, you know, quite a large group of us when we get together. But we have a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, you really do. And how would you give people advice or what would you say to people that uh, want their family involved, but but they want to do it in a way that it doesn't like put off people that aren't part of the family. Sometimes when um, ministries bring in family, the family members kind of sit outside of any normal rules or things like that, which can cause other employees or people to say, wait a minute, I am not being treated fairly, but you guys have really integrated things in a way that the leaders are really leading, not just each other and families, but other people. What would you give for advice on something like that?
1: Well, there's, there's a difference in preferential treatment and, and qualification. What, what I'm saying is you can't bring family members in just because they're family and give them a position. But if they if they qualify for the position, we believe they they should be able to take that position, even if they are younger than some of the senior or the older staff members. And because the fact of the matter is they've been with us for 17 years working through the processes. And you know, most of them grew up at, with Blessings of Hope as a part of their life, all their life. So. And and then another thing that we run into is, you know, people are like, well, they want to be a part of that. And then we're like, well, this is what's required, but they don't want to do that. So if they don't want to do that, and, and one of the family members does, and we flow together as a family, it makes sense to put that family member in that position and empower them to lead that way.
0: Yeah, that's so good. You've really integrated that well. Um, David, one of the things I've noticed about you and the entire executive team um, is that you are, first of all, tremendous leaders. in And this is not a small operation anymore. And we'll we'll talk about how large you guys are. But also, you are always learning. Every time I talk to you, you're either going to a conference, you're listening to podcasts, you're reading something. Can you comment on um, that's one thing I've noticed? Like, why is it so important that you keep learning, like you guys do?
1: Well, there's with, with learning. There, there's always something you can pick up at a conference. There's always something you can learn from a book, from a you know, from other people's experiences. I, I've heard this quote where a if I can get it now, a wise man will learn from his mistakes. A uh, intelligent man will find a wise man and learn from the wise man's mistakes.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: So, are, as we go through life, are we going to learn from our own mistakes or are we going to connect with other people who have made a lot of mistakes along the way and learn the, the value of their mistakes? And you know, as we go through life, learning has always been a big part of what we do, and it's a way to connect with more people. To to share what God is doing in our life. And it's amazing some of the people that we have met at some of these conferences and just the, the camaraderie that that comes behind the, the vision and, and the mission. We actually have a program with our employees where we have a book of the months that they, if they read it, they get a gift card for a local restaurant. Wow. And it's it's an it's a way to empower our employees to self-educate on their own time and and raise up through the ranks you know, not everybody takes advantage of the opportunity but there's quite a few that do and the ones that do are definitely advancing in the company in multiple ways mm. and you know i've I've heard the question of what happens if you train your employee and then he goes to your competitor the other question is what happens if you don't train them and they stay <laughs> there's so always ridiculous. a greater cost to not training somebody and they stay Then there is to train somebody and they go to your competitor.
0: That is such a great way to think of things. And um, I know like you you guys are all getting insight here into David. He's got these little, I call them truth bombs that just (laughs) come out. And that is such a great way to think about it. Instead of being fearful of losing someone, you're imparting to them and again, turning it around and looking at, well, what would happen if we don't do this?
1: Yeah. I, I encourage our employees to make mistakes, because m- my my definition of a mistake is a well thought out plan that didn't work out. And if if they can make a mistake that's bigger than something that God can fix, then we're in the wrong business. Wow. If if wow, they if they great. if they think through something and they believe this is going to be the outcome, and they try it and it doesn't work, that then. We'll deal with it. It's not that big of a deal. But a lot of people are afraid of making mistakes and they never walk in the fullness of what God called them to walk in.
0: You know, that's a great way to look at things. It's such a great leadership principle. So having that sort of a culture, because really you're building a culture that it's okay if you make mistakes, how much of an impact do you think that has had on your success to get people in a position where they're safe to try things?
1: Well, it's definitely had a big impact. I I believe it's, I believe it's tremendous just to the the, the freedom that goes with, you know, trying something new and coming up with new ideas. The, you know, the other approach, if, if, if if, if, if all leadership comes from the top or all rules, whatever come from the top, and nobody is creative. You have higher turn- turnover. You have less employee engagement. People don't people don't feel like they're a part of the organization. Whereas, if you can give them, if you can give them a lane to run in or a a challenge to overcome, they will buy in at a deeper level.
0: That's good, and it really produces higher quality employees and attracts higher quality employees as well because they're able to use those gifts and talents that God has given them are intelligence, and think on their own, which is really important for people. We always think it's just about the money, but it's really not. It's about valuing people, and that communicates value.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: Well, so David, we only have a couple minutes left here, and we heard at the beginning about how you started in a garage, and you started committing to just doing, I think it was five or seven boxes a week. So let's. that was in 2006. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Well, 2010, we committed to seven boxes a week. 2006 is when we started with a little car and a few bags of groceries, a, you know, a week.
0: Got the idea. So here we are, 2023. So just give us an idea of where you have come from, 2010, seven boxes a week, and, and where you are today.
1: Well, in October 2010, we leased our first warehouse. It was... a uh, it was a 3600 square foot room but we told the the landlord we only need half the room so we had about 15 1600 square foot and th- since that we are right now we have about 110,000 square foot of warehouse space we have our own fleet of trucks we have about 50 somewhere around 50 trucks trailers straight trucks uh that kind of thing uh we have uh, around 90 employees right now we have about 110,000 square foot of warehouse space, and we're distributing over two million pounds of food a month. So, and this is all product that's donated product. We don't buy anything. We don't sell anything. We are we have a service fee that at this point covers about 75 percent of our operational budget of, of a of a distribution fee. From a cash flow standpoint, in 2018, we were at $600,000 annual operating budget. This year, we're probably going to be about eight to nine million.
0: Oh my goodness! Wow, David, so we've so we've
1: great. seen a little bit of growth.
0: I would say, on, and you know on, what? On,
1: on top of that, we are actually just starting a another major project, a fifty-two thousand square foot warehouse we just bought, where we're doing renovations for. Uh, we're going to get into food uh, dehydration, mm-hmm. and that's probably going to be about a ten to twelve million dollar project on on that project alone. My
0: goodness, you are not slowing down anytime soon. I think one of the statistics that really is hard for people to grasp is you say there's not a food shortage per se. Hmm. So people are like, what? There's people starving all over the world. Can you just explain that a bit?
1: The, the, what we're finding is there's a management shortage. There's a, there, there's too many political agendas behind Food, insecure. food insecurity is a multi-billion dollar industry. And th- there, there's there's way too much money to be made by government entities to keep people poor, to keep people in, in uh, you know, food insecure. But according to our research, if half of the global food waste will be recovered, it would end world hunger. World hunger is, it's not that big of a deal. It's only, what, a couple hundred billion dollars a year issue. And half of what's already produced and is currently being wasted would take care of that issue. So the more we're digging into this issue, the more we're seeing that the resources are there, we just need to utilize them. We just need to steward them well. We just need to build that bridge to bring them together. And there's there is an unlimited amount of food available at no cost if you can take it by the semi-ludes. And you know, according to the USDA website. 30 to 40% of all food produced in America is wasted. So if you think about it, you see a field of, of product or you see a warehouse full of food, 30 to 40% of that product went wasted, whether that's because it was overproduced, mishandled, uh, just got too close to expiration date before it got utilized, or for whatever reason, you know, it's, it, it gets wasted. 24% of everything in landfills in America is food-related product. Mm-hmm. And we're, I hear people talking about food shortages, and I'm saying there is no food shortage because there's the food's being produced. The question is, what are we doing with what's already being produced? In 2020, when eggs were rationed at the stores, uh, we were getting semi-loads of eggs. The issue was the, the, the company that makes the one dozen egg cartons couldn't produce them fast enough. of all food goes to restaurants and schools when they shut down overnight and all that had to go into retail. It was a packaging issue, not a product issue.
0: My gosh, David, this is, there's so much more. I mean, we're definitely going to have you back because um, wealth builders, you know, Billy and Becky, our hearts are with you guys. and, And of course we support you, but this is, this is a solution to a problem that a lot of people are trying to solve in the world. And, and I am confident in saying I've been around you guys enough to know you really do have the solution. God has given you the answer to world hunger.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I, I don't know how it's going to play out yet, but uh, we're going to keep taking a day at a time. You know, we, we've been accused of trusting God too much. And my question is always. Did you find a better source to trust? And the answer is no, they don't. Well, then why why would you not trust God? Yeah, but not to that crazy level. And it's like, why not?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Being around these guys will help, definitely helps all of us to think bigger. Uh, So, again, David and all the Lap Brothers are, we're so blessed. They're going to be joining us the weekend of August 18th through the 20th. And this is the Wealth Builders Business. And nonprofit workshop, and we'll be going over a lot more information in detail, really helping you grow your business to scale your business. And we're putting a big emphasis on nonprofit this year as well. Uh, we've also got Annabelle Walnow is going to be joining us via video. She's gonna be out of town. Um, and then we've got David Briggs talking about nonprofits. David Metcalf, I'll be talking about a Billy. And then we've got Colin Carr coming for business, and uh, there's just something about getting together. Even if you're a nonprofit, you have to know how to run a business. And I think that David, you have definitely shown us that there, there's a lot of processes and systems and things Absolutely. in place that that have to be there. Oh, uh, and to learn more and to register. Go to wealthbuilders.org forward slash events. That's wealthbuilders.org forward slash events. And I've got a code for you to use. It's called WB200. And that's going to give you $200 off either the in-person or the live stream. And you just don't want to miss this. David, I know we have a lot of people listening that want to support Blessings of Hope. So how can they best support you? And how can they how can they learn more about what you're doing?
1: blessingsofhope.com is our website uh financial donations are always a a piece that allows us to continue to grow uh, volunteering we we have volunteers registered from 47 states plus Canada, Puerto Rico and Mexico since 2020 And that's over 40,000 people that have physically volunteered at our one of our lancaster facilities and you know it, it's just amazing to see the people that god brings together but if you're in the area, we'd love to show you around. We'd love to, to help you understand more of what we do, why we do it, how we do it. Uh, but yeah, blessingsofhope.com is, is a lot of information on our website. Uh, yeah, stop in when you're in the area.
0: That's great. And David, you do something called the Hope Cast, uh-huh. and that's on a weekly basis. And so they can watch that on uh, your YouTube channel, Blessings yeah. of Hope YouTube channel. Correct. Awesome. The
1: podcast is something that I started in November of 2022. Uh, it's a we do we stream it live to YouTube and Facebook, and I I talk about what God's doing in in our life with the ministry. I'll interview other ministries, and it's it's always just a a short podcast type of a presentation to share hope to share share what God is doing versus what you know, there, there's so many news. There's so much news out there of what the devil is doing, but what's God doing? How can we encourage each other? How can we bring hope? How can we be there for each other and change the world for God's kingdom?
0: That is awesome. David, thank you so much for being on the Wealth Builders podcast today. We are so looking forward to having you at the event and all of the Lap brothers. And uh, we will definitely have you on again and even press into a little bit more on leadership, which I think uh, you and the team are so gifted at. And you've really pursued making sure that you are good leaders to steward this amazing vision that God has put on your heart.
1: Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate the invitation, the friendship. It's always a, an honor to be there at the event and to just connect with what God's doing there.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you all of you that have joined in on this podcast and all of our Wealth Builders podcasts. And I would just encourage you, hey, if you think that these podcasts would help some of your friends and family, just share it with them. Uh, We are so blessed to have all of you as part of the Wealth Builders family. So have a great rest of the day and God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Builders Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review the show. You want to learn more about who we are? Visit our website at wealthbuilders.org and check us out on Facebook.
1: We'll see you next time.